All right, well, this is going to be a little bit different. Uh, for everyone that's familiar with the X Factor Roping podcast, uh, Dustin, Cersei, and I have been talking about doing this a little bit differently. Um, we're, we were like thinking, oh, it's going to be like a talk show. Uh, we're going to bring guests on, you know, we, and, and I wanted to, and, and you as well, wanted to give a platform for, you know, team ropers and kind of the whole sport to, to give their opinions and, and really like get across how we kind of see things and try to, to, to work on some things. So today we're, we're going to bring on some guests. We've got Buddy Hawkins coming on here in a little bit, Manny Agasquiza, Coy Rallman. We wanted to talk about some things, you know, as far as, you know, we're not going to be throwing up the to steal your the. We're not throwing up little softball pitches over here. We're going we're gonna ask the real hard hitting questions yeah, today, right? There's going to be no layups allowed here. Yeah, um, we do have a problem. We haven't named the show yet. Uh, we've got a few ideas, but to be determined. You know, buddy, he'll be on here in a minute, and maybe he'll he'll name it for us. Uh, so we're hoping for anyway. Yeah, we're we're, we're going to need to uh, to do that. But you know, a few things that we want to talk about. You know, on. Obviously, NFR, I thought it was a great NFR this year. Um, we finally got to see Caleb and Junior win the world. And, uh, man, I, I think the, that one was real, real fun to watch because they were just different out there this year. You could see, even, like, if you follow Caleb's dad on social media. Like Shout out, Nick. Yeah, Nick, uh, he, uh, he kind of had some fashion stuff going on, but – might need to get Nick on here and talk about his outfits from the NFR this year. Maybe, uh, you know, the Americans coming up. That's a big. Well, I wonder what he's wearing. Do you think he's going to go, uh, I, I bet, cinch, button-up, plaid, felt. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. We, I'd like to know. I'd like to get the full, you know, what color plaid we're going to go with right. over there. And, uh, yeah, no, I think that's, I think we got a lot, a lot of good stuff going on. But, uh, <laughs> no, no. Um, so NFR was, I thought it was interesting to see. Because that's the one place where it seems like momentum is huge. Like once you get making a run, you can see some teams kind of kind of come from behind and and make a run like Ren and Jeremy did. I thought that was really cool. Those guys were up great all week. Got close to winning the world title. And yeah. you know, it, it's weird. The weirdest thing to me about team roping there is, I I honestly believe winning the regular season should mean more than it does because to win that is probably i would say the the best team of the whole year usually yeah. wins the year end or excuse me the the season and uh at the nfr it just in that building things can go wrong or it just in a rodeo things can go wrong right so you lose you lose that that momentum or you get teams that get really hot and it just it kind of it can go up and down so yeah but then, you know, there's a couple other things. Uh, you know, we got Manny, former team roping director. When he comes on, I wanted to talk about a few things. Uh, the team count at Odessa was down pretty good this year. I'm not sure. I'd like to kind of hear his opinion on why. Also, you know, the, the format that some of these rodeos are going to, like Denver has been with the last few years and this, uh, like, the, the tournament style. Um, Cheyenne went to it a couple of years ago. It was a big topic. Yeah, discussion too. yeah, and and I think what has changed with that and it makes it kind of odd is I remember driving to Cheyenne before it was tournament style, and the whole reason like Cheyenne was so exciting to me is you were one steer away from changing your summer, because go rounds were paying anywhere from sixty five to seventy five hundred dollars, average pays twelve thousand or whatever. I mean it's right. You could win fifteen thousand at that rodeo really easy. Yeah, 
And when it go when it goes to that tournament style, there's there's more monies paid out, uh, and it really kind of takes away from that higher like amount that you can win. So, I I don't know if that's a, a good thing or a bad thing. I, I kind of go back and forth. What do you think? Yeah, um, I think it spreads the money out a lot for sure, and a lot of people get paid, which is good in a sense because that's the name of the game when you're rodeo and you're trying to get a paycheck. So the more paychecks they pay gives you better odds of winning something, obviously. But when it spreads the money out that much, I mean, like, it'll be interesting to talk to Manny about Denver because I, I wonder how many people had to make, like, if you if you didn't get in and you had to go to the qualifier, you might have had to make three trips to Denver if you make the short round and you go up there and, I mean, last, what, paid in the finals paid 900 yeah. I mean, if you squeak through, I mean, like, so is it is it really worth it to drive up there three times from Stephenville and not win a top three or four check? That's that's kind of the big question, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, and so that's going to be a big deal. Uh, buddy, we got Buddy coming on here. Oh, we lost Buddy. Don't worry, we're professionals. We know what we're doing. <laughs> but here in just a second, we're going to have four-time NFR qualifier, BFI champion, NFR aggregate champion and NFR, record holder and record holder and uh, shout out to X Factor Roping's coach you know uh, you get that membership get you get you some coaching from Buddy Hawkins Buddy how you doing hold on we're, we're, we're getting audio don't worry we're, we're really close Buddy can you hear us all right I can can you hear me <laughs> we got you now buds well, how Good. is it today, buddy? You doing all right? Hardly ever better. How are you guys? Man, we're doing pretty good. We're just trying this new show. Um, you know, I, just so you know when you're coming on, uh, there's really no rules. I've decided we're taking all the rules away. I My goal is to make Nice. We can F-bomb if we want. Yeah, well, <laughs> that was my goal was to not be the first F-bomb. So if you'd like to drop it right now, go ahead, buddy. It's, it's you want me to go ahead and just start <laughs> off with that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Might be the first F bomb I've ever heard you say ever. Buddy. Yeah, so it, it, just let us know. All right, buddy. Well, first thing before we get into these questions, because we want to talk to you about you know the NFR this year. Obviously, that was a huge accomplishment, winning the average. But we haven't named the show yet. You got any ideas for uh, what we should yeah. what we should name it? Well, lost, buddy. I we'll figured. Get him back. Honestly, I was like, man, are we going to make it through one, <laughs> like, one call? Wow, look at this. So I know we're in the middle of something. Is there? Do you guys know, is there a way I can not get any more phone calls during this? Uh, you could change your phone number. Uh, yes, that two, seems like a good idea. Two phones. Uh, I think Kevin Gates sings a song about it. Uh, I've got two phones, one for each of you. Yeah, yeah. I think There you go. It goes something like that. It might be F-bombing that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, before we get into these uh, these questions for you, um, we, we need to name this show. And uh, I, so far, we've got the X-Factor Team Roping Show, the XFTR mm -hmm. Show, uh, or Talk Show. Um, what do you got for We're us? We're not really what, sure. Yeah, what, what do you we... got, buddy? What do you think? How cool is that? So I was literally, Wade and I were hanging out at the jackpot yesterday, and I said you should never have an acronym with an F in it. It just naturally goes the wrong direction in people's minds, right? So Solid like point. we were looking at a MFM, you know, like how do you make that 
you know, Madisonville feed manufacturing or whatever, you know, it just doesn't work good. So I'm not sure on the bins. That seems to be the topic of the day. I'm not sure if the acronym is, is good, but I mean, I, I like the, uh, XFTF, the X factor. All right. Well, um, buddy, you keep thinking on it. Uh, so far, Nikki, I'll work on that. Excited to, to hear that. All right. Well, first question, you know, at the NFR this year, buddy, uh, man, you you seem pretty good about managing your emotions. But to me, the record with Jake and Clay has, I think it was 94. That, I mean, that record has stood since 1994. And at round mm-hmm. seven or eight, it's pretty obvious you guys have got a good chance and you're roping very well at this point. Mentally, is this one of the hardest next three rounds, next four rounds, or how do, how do you kind of handle that? Man, that's a great question. I appreciate the verbiage there. Um, I feel like you're trying to corner me where I can't just go rogue. Um, because you're like mentally, like, I'm hoping that he's listening to what I'm saying here. Cause we always know that I can go into like 59 minute answers to a 50 second question, but yeah, buddy, we're, um, we're limited in answer answer to this, (laughs) in answer to the question, um, uh, mentally it, it was definitely not the, the toughest experience when it came to, um, the, record it's or 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 win in the finals in itself um i've i would say that it very well could have been and so i'm gonna probably credit that a little bit to the season of life that i'm in and kind of my perspective on life like 2021 um season and i've really been making a an effort to um take account of the value of any one thing, um, I guess to, to kind of elaborate on that, uh, most of, most of these things we're doing are, are small things. Um, I read something the other day that, that everything of true value is, is cheap in form of dollars and everything that's expensive in dollars doesn't really have an eternal value and i'm not saying that that's 100 percent truth it's not a biblical thing to me but um much of what was going on at the finals was dollars to me which is truly less value probably than a record you know or a relationship definitely less value than a relationship and so i, I was really viewing the week um to me on, on trying to make as much money as we can at the national finals. Um, Andrew and I, for 10 nights in a row, we looked, we were strategizing on how we could be three seconds on every steer. So on, on one side of the coin and we're not pessimists, but on one side of the coin, we ran 10 steers in a row and we were never three seconds. So there was a side of that, our preparation, we made a lot of three second runs in preparation and only prepared two days as a team before we went out there. So there's a side of that that was very much for me was um, when I'm looking at the dollars, I know that dollars are a necessity in order to continue doing what we're doing. Um, Records aren't, you know, necessary. And, um, you know, even the prizes and the accolades 
aren't necessarily necessary. Had I have leaned in that direction, um, I could definitely have seen how that could have been a real um, rabbit hole of potentially negative emotions, stress, anxiety. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, NFR, I've what I've ran 40 at the national finals now. Those 40 nights before I ran those fears, probably even two or three days leading up, there are restless moments of those nights versus like after round 10, I think if you if you win the 10th round and win the world or you miss the 10th one, it's over and you rest easy. You know, I mean, I haven't I haven't missed the 10th one for a championship or caught him for a championship, but this is pretty close. And like, I just go to my room and sleep. You know, it's like I sleep as, as long and as hard as I can, you know, and it's, it's a really deep sleep because at that point, that's part of history either way that it goes. Um, so I don't know if that makes good sense, but but for me, a lot of it was the dollars. When I did get home, even up until this past week, one of my good buddies, Steve Simon from California, in fact, called while I was in Denver, and he was like, hey, man, I knew you have you were inundated with calls and congratulations and stuff. But he's like, man, I was on the edge of my seat from like round six to round 10. He's like, that was just an unbelievable, um, in, enjoyable thing for me. And he's like, I've watched a million steers get roped, and I was so proud of you guys, et cetera, et cetera. And if, if I had a dollar for everybody who said within two words of that same quote, I was on the edge of my seat, um, that would be, um, you know, I'd have a lot of dollars because there was there were so many people supporting us who weren't really caught up in the 69000 and change that it pays. They were enjoying the the average they were enjoying the record and uh i was kind of on the other side which i like i said i believe was was probably fairly healthy for me right right speaking of those phone calls buddy did uh did do you happen to get a call from jake or clay no pace didn't call me well i knew that pace didn't call me you i sent a tweet out you didn't i didn't tweet. you didn't get his tweet did you <laughs> So sorry. What did you say? Seriously, though. No. Uh, speaking of your phone calls, though, did Jake or Clay reach out to you and congratulate you guys, I, or no? I or talked to, to yeah, uh, uh, Champ did. <clears throat> Jake and I have been have been friends for I don't know ten years or so, I guess, since I've been rodeoing. But uh, Jake and I don't talk that regular. Um, Champ and I still, even though he doesn't rodeo that much, we still talk several times a year. You know, usually birthdays and. And uh, any time I get to see him, I actually got to see him in Arizona the week before the national finals. And so we had a chance to, to visit out there and uh, hang out a little bit. And um, so he actually probably shoot from round three or four all the way to the end every day or two. He would he would shoot me a text and be like, good job. Keep doing what you're doing. And, and you know, real encouragement. Did you call your shot in Arizona to him? Did you say, "Hey, watch out"? <laughs> Did I call it? Just let no, you know. I think, this is I your think last week to enjoy this as the title holder because <laughs> I'm coming for you. Did you tell him that or no? No, I, I think he. I think he knew. He probably knew better than me. You know, uh, he knew it was coming. Is what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> as competitive as that guy is, I could see him cracking out, and uh, him. He's going to give you something to talk about next year. You might he's, see he's him coming at, back at for That him. was basically. The first thing that, that Andrew said is he's like, uh, these guys might have it back in 12 months, so yeah, we're going we're gonna to enjoy this. Nobody can move us until the next yeah. one. We'll, you need to enjoy it every day, probably. We'll, we'll get him back on here. We'll get Jake on here to, to find out if he's coming back going, yeah. going for the record. <laughs> uh, you know, buddy, one thing that uh, at the NFR, uh, Andrew, he's obviously 
you guys got a rope at, at Dallas last year, but first time headers at the at the Thomas and Mac notoriously have a hard time with that. You know, what about yeah. him as a header and you as a team kind of translated to where it was his essentially his rookie year at the Thomas and Mac where you guys were able to go on a you know pretty good run right there as far as it just seemed like everywhere you guys go the run is good it translates you can go to the BFI you can go to the long score stuff you can go to the to the Thomas and Mac and you guys catch a lot of steers everywhere you go what what does he do and what you know what does the team do that makes it so special for that I think the first thing that's unique about our team and and it's even unique where I'm at currently, um, off of the cuff, I would say Andrew and I have practiced together 20 times in our two and a half years of um, partnership. And as far as like full practice, now we definitely, if we're in the Northwest, you know, like this year, we both had teenage horses up there where it's got reps, they run the steers in, we go run a few. And I, I'm not saying that doesn't count, but we're not, you know, we're roping medium cows. We're not trying to make BFI or NFR runs, but around 20 times in, in two and a half years, we have put together a practice and been like, okay, let's prepare for this or let's prepare for that. Um, and, and 20 times being unique to me as um, I've had several partners that we practice 20 days a month trying to work on the run. And I guess where I would go with that, like the reasoning that I think for that portion of our partnership is that I think our minds are very similar. Um, you know, I'm getting ready to go to the um, slot race, like a futurity deal in Abilene this coming week. It'll be the very first event for the stallion that I'm riding. And uh, Andrew's going to go help me. And I had a, a guy that helps me here at the house. He was turning me some steers yesterday. And I was like, man, I really just need to, to keep this horse at peace and then let Andrew get ahead of me when we get over there. You know, and we'll, I'll probably, Andrew will probably come turn me a few steers before we get there. But I said, I really need to let this horse be peaceful in the box and have his confidence up because Andrew, you know, his body language, the language he communicates to his horses in, the way his horses move, as well as the way I swing my rope, the way my body language is, the way my horses move, that goes together so well comparatively to other partnerships that I've had. Had excellent partners. It's no, I'm not taking anything away from them, but our deal goes together so naturally for us that we've been really blessed. That um, you know, I I feel like I've. I've ran two jackpot steers on X since the NFR and about six rodeo steers. But I feel like if the BFI was tomorrow, I would just, I would need to have my mind right starting the day. And Andrew's going to know if I'm up there around the turn that he can go ahead and put max steam on them and I'll be able to finish. Or if anything's a little off, he, he knows, you know, so long as he has control of his horse, he knows how to help me. And then that deals vice versa too, as we've spoken in the past. You know, sometimes Andrew's horse, he's built to run. And so sometimes his horse goes to a place where he loses a little control and uh, he needs a little help from me to keep cattle on their feet or whatever. And so if the heel barrier allows me to, you know, I manipulate the cows a lot of times. So um, I would say it's it's in a word, it's chemistry. 
Um, but I've, I've broke that down into more so the ingredients and the reactions of those ingredients um, in the same way that true chemistry is. Um, if I may, the and I will because nobody's stopping me, <laughs> um, <laughs> regarding Andrew, uh, amazing performance at the finals um, to let folks in on, on an inside track. Andrew rode out disappointed at least eight, if not nine of the 10 go rounds because he felt like he was too hesitant at the barrier. He felt like he ended up chasing cows, reaching too much, messing up the turns, not being able to pull where he wanted to pull. And um, that comes back to when, when Andrew goes to a place and by disappointed, don't think that I'm saying he's just depressed out there, smashing his head into the windshield of his truck. He's just sees he sees where he can do better. He sees where um, not not in preparation. He just needed the experience to to be better prepared the next time. But you know, Andrew stopped like three weeks before the national finals, stopped jackpotting altogether because he was like, man, I'm going to have my horse running in the left lane too much for the wall out there. He's not going to be going sharp enough off the back of the box to let us get good starts. And he said, if I keep jackpotting, we, we're going, I may cost us the world championship when we get there. And when, when we showed up and did the run through um, the steers, uh, as, as a lot of people know, when you watch the run through pretty much every year in the run through the verbiage is, these steers are a little less than we roped last year. And in many cases, they've just got off the truck from a long drive and we run them in there, put wraps on them, chase them down two times and rope them. Well, you let them set for a couple days and then you get Andy in there pushing them good. And usually round one, there's like two steers leave slow and 13 of them are the fastest, strongest steers you've ever roped in the smallest building that you ever rope in against the best guys that ever swung a rope. And so and right off the bat, round one, we're team three maybe in round one. And right off the bat, we get we get beat off the blocks. And we're in chase mode halfway down the arena. He throws two or three coils, gets the neck, kind of gets hung up in the wall, five, six, don't win anything. And he's like, man, he's like, for, for my whole life, I've known, nail the barrier on the first one. And... Uh, you know, and part of that may come back to me because he kept saying, I'm just going to try to break it. I'm just going to try to break it. And I'm like, man, you're too good of a header to try to break it. You will. If you try to break it, you'll break it. You try to split them, you'll split them. So try to nail it. And uh, he was a little late. But but the reason I'm the reason I'm saying that is um, super impressive heading. I mean, debatably, uh, if we're going to talk about the best heading ever at the Thompson Mac, we're going to have to put Eric Rogers in this conversation because we you pull a you pull a crossfire off he's right around our time but also there were some other penalties in there so um to say andrew did the best heading ever um even he would be like uh better go check rog so um but but he does have the record and rog doesn't so um back to where where my opinion is um uh i i think andrew has so much so much to come you know he's he did amazing has the record of the finals um, first time out there, personally, I think we can say hands down the best first time header out there. Um, but he's also darn right on the right on the edge of uh, going to a whole nother level. 
Well, I think it's cool too to see that guy. How you know you hear that how how sharp he's just gonna stay and and kind of have that I can do better, I can do better because I, I think really it's really easy to mm-hmm. relax over there when you start relaxing and um, there you can almost get casual and if you kind of stay stay on point without breaking yourself down, I think it really can it can kind of keep the the deal going and and then honestly too, he's got you say it all the time, buddy, but he's got one of the best head and swings I've ever seen. He can head the horns really on the gain more than like him and Clay mm-hmm. trying about the only guys that can do it like that. I mean, mm-hmm. there's other guys I'm leaving out, but he's real special about how his swing and stuff goes. Uh, yes. Dustin, you got another question for buddy? Well, <clears throat> buddy, I mean, you were talking about your horsepower there for a minute and you've been known to ride smaller hill horses. I've my, myself, I, I'd ride the same kind of size of horses too, but to the people that just sometimes see a smaller horse, they think, oh, he can't finish very good or whatever. But your horses always finish really good, especially for a smaller horse like X is. Um, talk about that and, and how do you get them to finish and be so strong, especially at the NFR when, you know, a lot of times the difference between first and, and fourth and fifth is only, you know, maybe three or four or five tenths. Yeah, so uh, that's a great that's a great question as well. So um, – on the horse deal, somebody the other day was asking about. Uh, are you guys making check marks on which questions I compliment here? Well, no, we're, we're just, keeping a tally. We're yeah. uh, we're just throwing straight up yeah. heat Good. at you, buddy. We, we I just think there's a whiteboard on the table right here. here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw a little smirk. So, um, but but it it really is a good is a good question because I mean we're all if if you're in this industry to the capacity that that most of us are. Um, you know, the, the buying and selling of horses comes in and what pretty much every, every week I get five phone calls of somebody looking for a 14, three, 1175 pound gelding that, you know, scores amazing, can really, really run, drag it off, finish good. You can head on him if you want to. And they want to give me 8,500 bucks. And, uh, so yeah, short strided. Yeah. He don't ride big, does he? Um, yeah. and, uh, not to take anything away from the clientele, but I always just tell them when they say that, I'm like, well, if you can find about 10, I'll buy the other nine. Um, cause I'm, you know, now 8,500 don't hardly get you a broke three-year-old. Um, but back to that, um, the, for me, each individual horse and what I've found that, that was important to me, um, kind of the common denominator, I would like to say among my horses, uh, has been how they how they handle the turn um to me if somebody says i have a head horse he's unbelievable he can fly he has a great move he finishes he just doesn't score that good i say you don't have a head horse you have a horse that can run but he's not a head horse if you don't score now maybe one guy can score him and so for that guy he's a head horse but he's only a head horse to the guy that can score him and I believe it's the same thing in the healing is a heel horse is only a heel horse if he rides the turn very well. And I think there's several ways to make that turn good. Um, but one of the common denominators um, among these horses is, is how they handle the turn. And I believe to me, I think there's really three special factors in finishing the run as a healer. I, the header helps so much with that. Um, but for me, I think it is, it is your momentum, your lines, and then truly how the horse stops. Um, 
and that is more timing than anything else, I, I believe. So what I think special about my horse is he very often finishes the turn in a spot that I can throw, but he is, he is in a position that he can go forward or he can back out. And so we had a little joke going on during the finals, a couple interviews I did or whatever they were asked about our horses. And I said, well, in short, uh, I'm riding the smallest horse of the NFR healing for the biggest horse of the NFR. And whether that's right or wrong, I'm not sure that I don't, I don't think there are any other team roping horses bigger than ours. Maybe there's a hazing horse bigger than biscuit, but I'm pretty sure biscuits the biggest. And then when you see X stand beside him, I mean, he may, he's not the smallest. There's a couple calf horses that are probably a tick, like a tick smaller. Kind of, you know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks like we could just put them in one stall together, right, you know? Right. Um, but, but yeah, so, so the deal with that, uh, what I, what I always say, my, my grandpa, he was a, he was the sheriff when I was little and he's five foot four at that time. He weighs probably a 130 pounds sopping wet, you know? And, uh, they would say, you know, how do you handle these, these, you know, the, the bad guys or whatever. And he said, well, I just beat them down to size and then it's a fair fight. And there's a part of that that I've taken into the healing. Um, if you go try to drag a, you know, whatever my horse weighs, 900 pounds, a thousand pounds, go try to drag a 900 pound steer around while he's dragging and just see how far your biggest head horse can pull him. And so my, my joke that, that is really the truth is if I can slow a steer down, I can stop him. If I can slow Andrew down, I can stop him too. And so I'm not really looking to just commit to the ground and put all four feet as deep as we can go and have that, that, uh, you know, tied off to a tree with a pickup truck feel. What I'm really trying to do is basically create resistance to this momentum early and then finish so just for example, you know, I grew up in Kansas. We roped bulls, cows, whatever in the pasture. You take a three-year-old that weighs 800 pounds out there, and when you're going after a cow that weighs 1,200 pounds, you're not going to just jerk that cow over and be able to do something with her. But what you can do is you can get going the same speed, the same direction, and rope her where you're essentially setting still and then start creating resistance. And as simple as that is, that's how my mind works. Like I've, I've got a horse at the house right now. I'm trying to help him learn how to finish well. And we're doing it at a walk. I'm walking behind the stretch. I'm swinging over the back. I put my rope down and we go from a walk to a stop. Um, soon we'll be going from a trot to a walk to a stop. And then we'll be going from a lope to a trot to a walk to a stop. And that's the absolute caveman of horse training, I think. But that's how my mind works at the Thomas and Mac. Put any steer you want in there, put a bull in there, put a draft horse in front of him. And I think if he drags X around long enough, we're going to get him stopped. You know, buddy, I haven't been to Kansas a lot, but I bet you they rope some of them cows and bulls in a pen too. You know, maybe even <laughs> run them in at a little jackpot at a little 15, you know, $15 man slide. <clears throat> All right, that buddy. happens occasionally. I've got one kind of one last question before we let you go. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, the, the one thing that I, I kind of want to talk about from get the Cowboys perspective on this, uh, the American this year. So American is not going yes. to count for the PRCA standings. And it's basically, as I understand it, because of politics. Um, how, what do you think about that? Not counting for the PRCA and how that's kind of going down as a, as a, as a team roper. What do you think? 
Well, I I have to open with uh, I have to open with a slight lack of knowledge. I understand we're under new ownership. I understand there's some uh, debates on there's some debates on the actual reasoning that it's not counting. The actual reasoning that's not PRCA, um, and most of it is under the um, I guess the guys that they want to actually be able to broadcast it on other networks outside the Cowboy Channel. I'm a huge fan of the Cowboy Channel. I'm a huge fan of the PRCA. I mean, that's that's literally how I feed my family. Um, huge fan of the American without it being approved because it's been an amazing for the sport, in my opinion. Um, I see where each one of those three things could improve. Um, I am slightly less knowledgeable about uh, Teton Ridge and their their involvement in the sport, but I believe they have good intentions and they're trying to build the sport that I'm a part of. You know, I'm, I'm actually in negotiations right now with a, with a potential sponsor who's wanting to come into the sport, um, you know, do a deal with me, do a deal with rodeos, do a deal with PRCA in general. And I'm like, well, please, you know, if we don't get this deal organized, please pursue other athletes, pursue other rodeos, pursue the sport in general, because if I thought I was unhealthy to this sport, I would I would leave and never come back because I really want to see the sport grow. And so in a positive way, I see the growth um, regarding the points. Um, what I believe about these points is that anything that is willing to go through the necessary steps and get approved by the PRCA, whether it's the Bob Feist Invitational, your match roping, um, anything that will go through the necessary steps uh, could and should be approved for PRCA points. Um, I, I realize that that is not going to line up with everybody else's opinions, and I understand why. Um, my situation or my perspective on that is that um, I believe that you know the gold buckle is the epitome of the sport. If at the beginning of the year somebody says, "All right, you can get one buckle this year," you, they're going to pick that one, and and I don't think anybody else would say otherwise. And in many cases, just like just like you guys know, um, there's going to be a guy who earns. Let's just use for example, um, how much money did Paul Eves win this year, and did not make the national finals? But uh, in the winter, I know he was jackpotting very well. But particularly starting like Spice or Grip time, it seemed like he won two holes at every roping from the spot. You know, if if there twice, he won two holes all the way out to the end. Um, and just I thought is I thought he was roping as good as he's ever roped. Um, I thought level rope great too. That's what's wild is it's like, you know, why didn't those guys, you know, how'd they win the world and didn't make the NFR the next year? Well, they both roped pretty darn good. It just didn't go their way the whole way. Um, but back to that, um, I'm not saying that, that the guys who made the finals didn't deserve to make it either. I think 30, 40 guys every year deserve to make the finals and they only take 15 of us. Um, but my opinion of the Americans specifically, as I know that was the question, is that uh, I'm – I'm a fan of rodeos counting from the place of um, I think there needs to be more rodeos that count. And then we don't have to worry about these 50s and 100,000s altering the payout as much as we do. You know, to me, taking the American away is actually putting more significance on Houston, more significance on San Antonio and Fort Worth, which those are wonderful rodeos as well. But I think if there were 20 rodeos that paid 50000 a piece, 
um, then we wouldn't have these, we wouldn't have very many people complaining about the one or two that do counting. Um, so there's a part to me that I can see it. I can see it going both ways. The, the part that's special to me is if I won the hundred thousand at the American and didn't make the national finals rodeo, um, that's, that sets up a really good year for me. And so I'm, I'm eager to, to give these rodeos who are willing to put up this much money. I'm eager to give them a full, um, the, the full value of the dollars that they're putting together. Um, one, one side note I would put in there if they sat down with me and asked how I would pay off the American or how I would pay off Houston or how I would pay off a few of these rodeos, I would be very much inclined to pay these rodeos off more similarly to the pay scale for Cody, Wyoming or the pay scale for Reno, Nevada. Um, whereas for example, if it pays a hundred thousand to win the American, but then it drops to 25 and then it drops to 10. I would be more inclined to make this pay 40, 35, 30, 25, 20. Um, you're going to get the same guys on the same horses and you're still crowning a champion. You know, I won the biggest check there was at the national finals. I did not win the world title. Um, I didn't hear any complaints about people saying, you know, well, that's a silly deal. He didn't get the world championship when he set the record, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not complaining. I won a hundred and some odd thousand dollars right there. And so that, that was a huge thing for me. While nobody can debate that Driggers and Junior are deserving of the gold buckle as well. So I, I think that I, I would probably realign that payout a little bit more. Um, and like I said, I don't think people are going to ride their second string horse and not try as hard because it pays 40000 instead of a hundred. Um, with the million, we all know that that's a crowd favorite. That's the underdog. That's that opportunity this year, $2 million. Um, I, I think leaving the million alone to just that, that one wild card is a beautiful thing. Um, but, but I would probably do a little tweaking on that. And I think that's probably the PRCA's perspective. Also, if they were set in a perfect world, they would probably like to see that pay, you know, eight monies on the final day and, and start off at 40,000. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good, I, I, I like that. I hadn't really thought about it. Um, this is this is why we call, buddy. You know, I feel like uh, honestly, uh, you know, when you retire from rodeo, first thing I think you should do write a write a book. You know, like the the stoic <laughs> healer. You know, infinite wisdom from uh, Buddy Hawkins about life and uh, your philosophies on you know payouts, uh, <laughs> mental discipline, and you know just what the hell I'm doing with my whole life and making it all make sense. You know, well, buddy, just I appreciate like you coming yeah. on. Buddy, I got one quick last, last just real quick. Yeah. I just got to know Do it. for the people. I've seen your buckle. Is it dream team roping or is it dream team yes. roping? Which one? Yeah, so so the, the hashtag I started when Andrew and I started roping was dream team roping. I like it. And uh, it is all, it's all one word as a hashtag. So, uh, yeah, I, I kind of got to uh, – uh, I, they just ship the buckle home, you know, and a lot of times with those, those custom buckles, they take them, send them in, have somebody put your name on them or whatever. So they just sent it home and I was just wearing this blank buckle around. And I was like, well, that's, that's kind of the, the whole deal for me is, uh, I'm out here living the dream. So yeah, I just, uh, I just stuck that on there myself. I just put I what I want on there. it's pretty fitting, really. Well, I appreciate it. it. It is for me. Um, we were, we were speaking, my wife and I, we went to dinner last night. And uh, we were just kind of talking, you know, I've, I've got a little one coming in four weeks, 
to the day, maybe today. I, I need to double check, but uh, I'll I'll be ready one way or the other. But um, yeah, our our daughter's going to be born, and we were just visiting about perspectives, and you know, there's it's so interesting. Um, uh, I don't believe either of you have had a little one. It's so interesting how folks have. There's so many things people have bought into truths and lies and misconceptions. And it's very interesting. And we've been trying to really guard our hearts and protect that, you know, like, like very much like rodeo or anything else. Like we've been trying to view it like, like let's find our own truth in this because we know you go watch, you know, Republicans, Democrats, somewhere in the middle is the truth. No one, no one has everything right um, and no one has everything wrong. And we have this whole deal, you know, it's very similar to what's happened with COVID, et cetera, et cetera, where it's just black and white all the time. And there's huge differentiations, huge opinion gaps. And truly, I don't even know how many people are speaking their genuine opinion as much as they're just saying what's wrong with the other guy. And I can't get in on negative agenda. But back to what what we were saying there uh, you know, we've just been talking about how we're in such a season of peace and, and prosperity, um, but not prosperity as much in the dollars, not prosperity as much in accolades, um, but but being rich in peace and rich in joy and rich in hope for the future. And um, that's very much, you know, to me, when I think of, of the dream team, you know, it's not Andrew and I, but it's it's the, the whole Ward family. You know, his parents are both Terry's, but so I call them TNT. Um, but but Terry Ward and Terry Ward, it's uh, my my in-laws, PV and Jennifer Bonham, who are who are both my wife and Andrew wife's parents. Um, it's, you know, my family, my grandma, my grandpa. Um, we're it's it's very much like like and we all have that. Um, I say we all there are probably individuals who have a, a small support group. Um, but but I really believe everybody has a support group. And so, you know, for us, it is it's all of ours, you know, when when we're having success and. That was what was so beautiful when I was talking to somebody like Steve Simon or, or Drew Horner's dad, Tim Horner. I spoke to him and so many people celebrated our success. And it was like, well, it wasn't it absolutely not just me. And, and truly, I, I hope that a lot of people are able to enjoy that. And so, yeah, that's what it is to me is, is it's there's hundreds of people on the dream team. And, uh, yeah, it's an exciting deal for us. Well, congratulations again, buddy. And also, you know, as a, as a rodeo cowboy, you know, congratulations on baby girl coming here uh, in about a, about a month. Is that what you said? Um, yeah. I think, yeah. So 22nd of next month. That's great. Uh, you know, that's that's a good rodeo cowboy date to have a baby. Um, I two twenty two twenty two. Yeah, Nikki, I, she is due uh, July 3rd. So, yeah, uh, you know, obviously you've been running quite a bit Congratulations more. You know, to you guys. Thanks, man. My uh, my scheduling on that uh, is not as good as yours, though. So I'd like, you know, like a <laughs> well, a you're a header, time, man. baby. That, the healers that seems... and timing, you know how it yeah, is. Yeah, there it is. Healers yeah. and timing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, obviously you hadn't been watching me heal here lately, huh, buddy? We'll have to get you over here. Well, I, I, I got to be careful there. Yeah, I, I just feel like you identify as a header. Um, so, uh, yeah, but you do, you know, as far as among headers, you have excellent timing. I'll say it like that. Yeah, there you go. above average timing for a header. That's honestly, I might. You have above average for a header. Yeah. yeah, there we go. That's a pretty good compliment, I think. All right, thanks again, buddy. We'll, yeah. we'll talk yeah, soon. Yeah, I think uh, that is. I think it is. 
congratulations on the on the year you had baby coming uh just it's been pretty awesome to watch so thanks again man i appreciate it thanks for having me guys well dustin uh you know the one thing i i obviously we got manny coming on here in just a little bit but you know when you when you get to talk to buddy about that that's it's kind of wild because that team they i mean they rolled you know they as, as soon as they it's weird their run you know when i watch that that whole team go that it's a little bit wild on the front end and then buddy's like how he talks about his heel horses hitting the stop like it's not uh as traditional like when you see a joseph harrison or someone like that heel right but they're always catching like i, I mean the last is it two bfis in a row they think so yeah top three top, top two or yeah. whatever i mean it's, it's been good top four or so at the couple bfis yeah it's oh. it's been incredible i remember going back to i believe it was 2019 the year before covid in vegas and uh andrew and buddy were just starting to rope that fall and i seen him out there at the ropens and in arizona and it was just like they never missed Andrew would be within point one of the barrier every time and just go to the cow, Cole back on the way in. They'd turn, Buddy'd take one swing over him, and just they caught every steer. And it was just like, I remember calling my dad and was talking to my dad about it. And I said, Andrew Ward's going to make the finals next year. Because I grew up rodeo, you know, high school rodeo with Andrew. I've known him forever. And, you know, we've always pulled for Andrew just because he's such a good guy anyway, and he's easy to root for. But, um, I, I remember telling my dad, I said, Andrew and Buddy, they will make the finals. I said, they never miss. And I said, I think their run fits well together, and, and they're going to catch. And, 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 I mean, it looks like they might not ever not make the NFR again, you know. Yeah, I think they're a team that um, – and it seems like Andrew's style uh, allows him to get on multiple head horses. I mean, obviously, the one he's got now has got a lot of run, works at a lot of different situations, but he had the one go down, the backup, and was able to replace him pretty quickly and, yeah. and really not lose a beat on, on what they're doing. But uh, what about – I mean, obviously, Teton Ridge coming in. I think this is a great thing, right? Like, we, we've got more and more uh, basically – companies out there showing cowboys on tv like cowboy channel's doing a great job teton ridge they're making moves i don't know what they're doing but it's aggressive and it looks like they've yeah. got some money behind the deal and uh so we've obviously got the the sport is moving in the right way i think i and, agree i mean it, it, i don't know that much about teton ridge either but uh let's give them a shot you know the other day i seen somebody on facebook bashing about you know oh the american doesn't count and this is a bad deal and this is what happens whenever you get big money corporations and all this stuff in the rodeo and it's like well we don't even know they haven't even put on the rodeo yet yeah and we're already expecting it to be bad like i don't understand that way of thinking myself it's like let's give these people a chance and if we look back in five years and they're like, man, that didn't really go very good, then that's one thing. But who knows what it's going to be like? What if what if in three years they're paying a million dollars to every event winner? What if that's their plan? But nobody knows, really. So, I mean, in my opinion, I think it, 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 anybody that wants to bring in big money and that much money and invest in the sport, then why not have them? Why not welcome them into our, our industry with open arms and say, let's see what you can do? Right. Well, and I think um, I think one of the things uh, about it is 
when we look at it from the the contestant perspective, right? Uh, I keep thinking, okay, well, if the American counts for PRCA standings, it increases the odds of guys. Oh, look at that! We got Manny. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it increases the odds of guys wanting to go, and uh, and and maybe you get more blood and and kind of more entries and stuff like that. Right. So. Um, and then, obviously, you know, we've, we've talked. We want to bring on multiple guests. We've got Manny Agasquiza, BFI champion, former team roping director. So he knows a lot of the ins and outs of the politics of what it's like to actually get steers for rodeos, set the barrier up, you know, do do the whole deal, which is – there's a lot of work that goes into it. Because I, I, one story before we – Manny, how you doing today? Can you hear us, Manny? Doing good, guys. How are you all this morning? Oh, we're doing good. Um, you know, Manny, I, I got to say this kind of, I was thinking about this when I was pretty young, you know, we, we used to produce a lot of ropings and I sorted steers for, uh, for a rodeo and it was, we were at the U S roping. I just sorted off steers that I wanted to rope and they were terrible when they got to the rodeo. And I was like, man, I honestly, I thought these steers were all really good. And, and when you get there and so it's, it's not an easy job putting cattle together, doing it. So Manny, you know, to kind of jump into this, you know, the first, the first few questions we kind of had for you is what goes into getting steers ready, like the approval process for a rodeo? Um, like, for example, I, I'd like to kind of talk about these ones recently, like with Denver, because, you know, so we, there's, there's kind of mixed reviews on what the steers were like. And then I think like Odessa, you know, it's, the steers are pretty good over there and both, both are kind of indoor setups. So what, what kind of goes into uh, getting the steers from choosing the herd of steers to, to preparing them for the rodeo? Uh, you know, like, like Denver, for example, I can't remember the time that the steers were very good at Denver. Uh, they've always been last year's steers. They've roped them in the fall or something or, um, late summer. Uh, but the, the process is basically the, the stock contractor owns the rodeo and they're going to find the local guys that. Or subcontracting, but most of most of the big stock contractors nowadays don't own no time to make cattle, none. So they go they go to the local Joe to see who's got something with numbers, uh, you know, at least sixty or seventy steers, hopefully, uh, like a rodeo like Denver. But you know they're. They're trying to find the cheapest way out, and I don't. I don't blame them. Sometimes, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, it, it's uh, it's kind of a, a you know, it, it's what they're. What can they do more economically? Is what they're trying to figure out. Um, you know, there for a while, I got my hand slapped for condemning a lot of steers. Um, I was told I was not allowed to do that from. Certain people, contestants, sometimes liked it, sometimes it didn't. Uh, I was pretty uh, anal about the steers, I guess, where if I saw something didn't work, I'd condemn them, and I'd I get threatening phone calls from contractors. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a touchy subject. And it's a, it's a, it's not even, there's no, there's no pre, there's no pre nothing towards it. You, you're just basically entering Denver hoping that the stock contractor picked a good subcontractor 
where you had good cattle. Basically, that's how it works. Yeah, so... You know, we're spoiled around here. I I don't know. They're not great. They're not the best, I don't think. I don't think you'll ever get the best everywhere, you know, anywhere. I think he works a little hard at it. I help him break in the steers. Bobby Joe's kind of been the guy that we've been used to seeing. Are they great? They're pretty good. They're better than Denver steers. Let's say that. Well, uh, they're so not, kind of there's some right that are quick, stronger Manny, than others. Uh, I'm kind of curious like this. Uh, let's say that, you know, like locally, that that's kind of one of the problems, right, is when you got you got to get a local team roping producer. And so the control and the consistency is kind of out of the the team roping Basically, the team ropers say it's all stock contractor and then it's where it's subcontracted out. You know, I think that's kind of a challenge. So you can get old steers at a rodeo that may, might be too old, like sometimes you get at Denver. Or sometimes if you get a fresh set of steers, you know, they can change up a lot when you go in, at an indoor building. So, you know, when at, at Denver, when you get them there and let's just say we got like a normal, like a, a decently average set of steers. Do Is there a certain amount of times they've got to run them through? Is there like ways they prep the steers to kind of help? help do that and then also what about like setting the barrier to, to help get those steers how does that process work of setting the barrier to to maybe fit the, the what the cattle are going to do well the the thing with denver that kind of aggravates me sometimes is those steers all went to the qualifier and or most of them went to the qualifier so if there's any issues with them they have an opportunity to sort right to where but they don't they just put them back in there and and then they just basically, oh, I, I hadn't been, I hadn't been to the qualifier for quite some time now. I guess since I roped with Cersei over there, but uh, I think it was one under over there at the qualifier, and then they made it like even or one over at the main rodeo. And, uh, they 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 tend to put it short at the qualifier. Everybody has a chance of catching them, I guess, and see what they got. And then the steers just stay there. They're there the whole time. Nobody, they don't go home. They don't do nothing. They stay in the they stay in the Denver area for that whole time. And uh, it could be warm. It could snow, whatever. But then they tend to put the barrier longer because they've been sitting there so long. They feel like that gives them a chance to get away. But, you know, you're going to have steers that get slower and steers that get stronger. So... There, there's a, there's a process according to the cows. I think if the cows are uneven, they sure make it short. If uh, and, and if the cows are strong, obviously make it short. It, and you know, I don't know nowadays how involved Sherwood is with every special committee or every contractor or whatever. But uh, I'm I'm so. I said it the other day, and I wasn't joking when I said it. I'm not pro rodeo, not because I don't think I can win, but I uh, I don't want to go to a rodeo where it's two foot over. Yeah. Uh, it's tough, right? Because the the, the the stronger steers just get stronger when the barrier's long. Oh well, yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll give you a brief example. I went to I told Cersei this yesterday. I uh, I went to Mandan, Belfouche, and Cody. Uh, two summers ago with Kobe Payne and I literally got good good starts like 
make sure horse's chest on the barrier. You have to be short for I take two swings, throw my rope, and my rope hit the steer's ass. I, yeah. I don't. I've been, I've I been there with you. That. I got I got outrun <laughs> over there at uh, at Belfouche, hit the barrier, and I got outrun over there too. Yep, yep, same year. I I actually at Cody I hooked one around a half head, and I don't think I had enough rope to dally, and I don't even know how I got it out there that far. But but hey, I can stay around here in amateur rodeo, and and the barriers are one under and even, and I don't just smoke my head, my head horse off and I don't just go that to me is blowing money to me if, if I can't go somewhere and feel like I have a chance I'd rather stay here and go to downtown Fort Worth the north side where I know I'm going to catch this throw the steers throw my rope and hit the steer yeah I think that's going to be like the the challenge right so you know to make it entertaining to keep the cattle good you've got to find the balance between setting the barrier where there's a lot of good runs made and uh but also if you set it too short it gets it gets kind of it gets kind of fast but i also i kind of got thinking this to myself i was like and and i'm probably not one that would even benefit of a short score but san angelo is a really good example they set the barrier really short at san angelo and it seems like the team roping is always really good to watch but the complaint there is well it's so fast and you know four two might not win money in one of the go rounds and you get thinking about it you're like well the nfr the score is short and why wouldn't you just try to sort weaker steers off have the barrier really short and and then come with stronger cattle all the time but that, that i mean that makes sense to me but I don't know. That's that's kind of why I I was thinking about it with these these indoor rodeos because it would also make it more entertaining because you're going to have more catches night to night, you know, and the crowd's going to like it. Maybe that helps the sport kind of get a little bit more of a following of people that don't know uh, as much about it as opposed to going to Denver and watching a steer trot to the barrier and stop and then watching the next guy get outrun, you know, and that's that that happens with uh, one over and two over starts inside, you know. X-Factor Roping is proud to partner with NRS. Since 1986, NRS has been providing you with everything that is all things Western. Use our code X-Factor for a discount on your online purchases. You can shop in person seven days a week at NRS's locations in the heart of Texas and Arizona's team roping country, or you can shop 24-7 at nrsworld.com. Don't forget to use promo code X-Factor for a 10% discount. All right, well, we're back from commercial break. We just had Manny on. Uh, appreciate him coming on. Um, you know, the, the one thing that we hadn't really covered yet, and this is just uh, an email from the PRCA, sent it to its contestants, talking about the Los Angeles, Los Angeles city attorney. They basically drafted language to ban certain things uh, like flank straps, electronic prods, wire tie-downs, fixed rowels, lariats, and lassos. And it kind of what we're getting out of this is they're going to vote on something that could potentially cancel rodeos in, in, that, in Los Angeles County, which leave it up to California to be the, to go for this one again. If, uh, but, you know, I, I think something like this is we need to bring awareness to it, right? Because, it, I mean, it could be, it means no more rodeo if it, goes through or i i guess I'm, i don't know exactly how it'll go but it's enough to where the prca is talking about it i think we should uh also you know discuss that a little yeah bit. i think if if the prca has felt it's a big enough threat to send a email to all their contestants and uh members i guess it's probably something they're at least a little bit concerned about i would think but 
it, it kind of makes you think, um, is this maybe the first domino to fall? Is New York City next? You know, I mean, because they tried to have the Rodeo New York during COVID. And I know COVID canceled everything, including that. But I haven't heard anything about that trying to come back. So I wonder, it, 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 it kind of makes you raise your eyebrow like, whoa, I mean, is this something that might actually be a reality sooner rather than later? Yeah, and and I think in general, in the the Western industry and lifestyle, there's a lot of misconceptions about how it goes, um, how animals are treated, and and I think that's just something you know we we always have to be conscious of of how we represent ourselves at at rodeos, especially in uh, kind of more liberal areas, you know, like the cities and stuff like that that just don't get to get that kind of atmosphere hardly at all. So you kind of want to. You want to try to bring it to light in 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 the best way possible, but it is it is something that I I don't know, man. It's kind of scary to even think because that's something I think if it catches momentum, it goes, you know. And right. there's uh, we have our expectations, but we're trying to. There's so many parts to a rodeo, um, and just the event itself without bringing in the stock and the contestants is a challenge, you know, let alone doing those things and kind of making the whole setup work. So, you know, I think that's going to be our, that's going to be our biggest thing. RPX Enterprises, specializing in supplementing the American cowboy, everything from energy to joint pain to general health and wellness. All right. I know this is an easy company for us to get behind Dustin because you've told me a little bit about uh, taking some of the supplements to help out your shoulders. So what, what was your experience like with RPX? It was great. I I took RPX when I started to have shoulder problems again, and I literally changed nothing with diet, exercise, anything like that. I just took the products, and it really helped my shoulder. I went from not being able to rope very many steers to I could practice all day long and have very little to no pain in my shoulder at all. And I know a lot of ropers have shoulder pain is a pretty common problem for a lot of ropers, so it'd be, be cool to go check them out and see what they're all about. Yeah, that's uh, myzingular.com for more information and to order your products. That's M-Y-X-Y-N-G-U-L-A-R.com, myzingular.com. We really uh, do appreciate working with these companies, and if you support them, that helps us uh, keep growing and keep doing what we want to do with this. All right, we're back from break. Uh, well, we got our guest here. Rodeo Roy is what they call you, allegedly. He wears his cowboy hat every single day, showers with it on. <laughs> NFR qualifier, recent Denver Stock Show champion, too, Coy Rallman. Hey, man, thanks for coming on. Uh, we, I know we're running a little bit late, so you, uh, you're out there practicing right now. I had to run and get in the truck out of the wind, but I, I really do appreciate you coming on and talking with us. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Well, you know, we're really prepared over here. We haven't even named our show yet. Uh, and we've talked about it. No one's dropped an F-bomb, so we're saying it's been successful so far. Uh, but we're going to ask some, you know, some real hard, hard-hitting, hard-hitting questions for you. You know what I mean? But, no, man, this oh, year, yeah. first your first NFR, congratulations. Got to go around buckle, round six, by the way. That was pretty awesome. Was, was that probably one of your favorite roping moments so far? Absolutely. It was, uh, I don't really even know how to explain it, but if you couldn't tell, even like no emotion, Doug caught some emotion and tipped his hat and stuff <laughs> when we went three, six. So, I mean, it was pretty cool. 
Yeah, Doug, Doug really, uh, he was getting wild out he, there. He really let his hair down right there. All right, man. Well, uh, he did. Yes, he, he did. You know, you hear a lot, and and you're around a lot of good guys. You know, you're you're around Paul. You, you've kind of you you've been around a lot of guys that rope for a living, but preparing for your first NFR and then actually getting there. What was the biggest thing, like the the hardest challenge that you didn't see happening or wasn't quite prepared for? As you know, to being out there all week, what was the hardest thing on you? Uh, well, everybody says. Oh, I wouldn't get nervous. The hardest part, the hardest part's done. The hardest part's just making it. Blah blah blah. I was the I was the number one culprit for saying that. Like, oh, when I make the finals, I won't be nervous. The hardest part's making it. Blah blah blah. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now. On December 2nd, when it was the first round, and I rode into the back of that box, and there was 20,000 people looking down on me, I was the most nervous I've ever been. And I'd say just kind of overcoming the nerves and the big stage and stuff's probably one of the hardest deals. I mean, I don't. I don't care how many steers you've ran in your life for big money. There's something about roping on the biggest stage possible that it just it gets to you, you know. So what do you do right there when uh, you know you're riding in the box and are you, are you nervous enough where you like you kind of shaky a little bit? You know what I mean? Like your your hands are kind of like you know you got that much adrenaline going, or how do you try to, you know what what level of the nerves at at that point, and then how do you try to calm them and kind of you know lock it in? Uh, well, I mean, I kind of felt like Eminem. My palms were sweaty, my knees were weak. <laughs> I didn't have vomit on my sweater, but uh, I was I was nervous. I I had kind of sat back there and swung my rope so much that like I almost swung the life out of it, and I just was kind of like doing stuff I wouldn't normally do. And I just kind of had to tell myself like to calm down a little bit and do that. I was there for a reason. Almost felt like a loving in my head. Kind of, kind of broke up just a little bit. Will you repeat that the kind of last sentence right there? I said I almost felt like level. I was swinging my rope like I was mad at it. <laughs> <laughs> you put you're putting some heat on those swings. Yeah, hey, j- Corey, real yeah. quick, um, talk about lining up in the tunnel because I remember the one year I got to go out there and and sit back down there in the tunnel. When you're watching from you know you can't really see very much back in there just because it's so low and it's dark and there's TV screens like the size of the monitor on our camera right here it's tiny and so you can't really see nothing but you can hear a little bit but it just looks like it i remember watching it from behind it looked like completely different roping than what you see on tv yeah i, I was just blown away so when you're sitting there watching it are you like holy smokes like this isn't nothing like what i thought it would be like or what, what was kind of going through your mind as you're you know a couple teams away yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest deals, too, is like, you know, they line you up. You can't really tell what's going on. You can't really see nothing. You're in this little tunnel. You're kind of secluded from everything. You can hear people yelling like, yeah, you're out, and then hollering when they heal one and this and that, whatever. But, um, like, when you're almost up, you're in between the concrete wall and the steer pins. And, I mean, you and your horse are in a little alleyway that's maybe three feet wide. So your horse is praying on banging off the panels and stuff because of the loud noise and everything you want to swing your rope but you can't no room you almost get film phobic and stuff that's what almost makes you the nervous is like you can get away from riding the box and the next thing you know you ride under that curtain and you ride up into the box and you just look around and there's i mean literally it's the biggest stage i mean it, it's crazy like you just ride into that box and everybody in the world who's a rodeo fan's watching you whether it's on tv or in real life you know 
Yeah, that kind of atmosphere too. It's like it's electric when you walk you walk into it and it kind of yeah. hits you. It's just a, a different feeling when you get that that many people and that kind of energy. And then when it's on you, it's it's got to be a whole different feeling. So I'm sure that that man that was uh, that was kind of a big deal. Um, so man, kind of going into it, you know, you had you had a pretty good NFR, got your first round win, you know, coming into it, won Denver the other day. You know, we we kind of talked about Denver with Manny a little bit, and you know, obviously he's not as high on it on the cattle and stuff like that. But you're you're able to win the rodeo over there this year. So I I had a few questions for you. You know, um, first of all. You know, with the score, they kind of set it a little bit longer. Was it what? What was the score like, and and what do you think about it being that long at the indoor rodeos? Um, it was even, but you know, like you've been to Denver, it's it's not as small as like the Thomas and Mac or something, so it can stand to be a little longer than just touch and go, you know. But um, I mean, I I agree with Manny. The cattle were were really uneven. Uh, there were some cattle that would dang sure to take you out if you weren't careful. Doug and I barely slipped by our first one. We were 10-5 clean. I mean, we ran him. He hauled butt, ran him all the way to the buck and shoots. I turned him. Doug tracked him off the buck and shoots, back up the arena on a loose rope, and healed him. I mean, it it, it took some guys out that shouldn't have got took out, and it kind of, it was a little bit of a drawing contest and just getting by, you know, just trying to get by on what, what they let you draw. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, it was tough. I think that's part of what might have made it eat an easier like rodeo as far as times you know well that's what everyone wants to see is uh you know recent nfr qualifiers bounce one off the back end and bring him (laughs) off the buck and shoots and then go 10-5 that's that's what they're there for that's why they buy that's what sells tickets all right well yes so the this format though that i mean that's kind of cool though that the fact that you can still win the rodeo and not have a chance too, though. So there's there's kind of a it's a two edged sword, right? Because you guys can absolutely you could make a mistake, or you could maybe have a steer that's real tough and then just get by him. And with this uh, this format, um, you know, the, this with the semifinals and finals, do, do you like that format? How it kind of works out? Uh, I do. It, it gives you a chance to win money a lot of different ways. Like you said, if something happens, you win no money in the first two rounds, you can still come back and win the whole rodeo. But I do know that the rodeo paid better when it was just two and a short. I know Paul was telling me that the first time he won Denver, he won like 12 grand a man. And then the last time he won it with snow in 2020, I think they won like 4,500, about like us, you know. So uh, it, it's, like you said, it's a two-edged sword. It, it makes it to where like the winners don't win as much and stuff like that. But it also makes it where if you just get by the first two and get back to the semifinals and then kind of turn it up and start making good runs, you can still end up winning the rodeo, you know. Yeah, well, it kind of, it to me, it's, might take away from these big rodeos because the money is so spread out, uh, which means you can hold your money together as, as you know, ropers. And it is really competitive. It's hard to win from top to bottom. And, and that makes a lot of sense. But then you get the, you get that, you know, where if it was two and a short and it paid 12,000 to win it and you were a second behind at Denver, you might put it all on the altar and go try to be four flat in the short round, and you you know you get a you get a guy that's going to risk it all to try to move up four or five spots to to win the fast time and maybe win the average. And now that's like, well, you know, if one team goes four flat, well, I'll just go knock one down right behind it. If you're up later, and you know, a four or five or a four eight might might win eight hundred dollars less. You know what I mean? So it's it, it kind of takes away from well, that that's moment. Well, exactly. 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you're exactly. I was doing a Caitlin Gustav. She was saying that, uh, you know, I was doing a deal with Caitlin Gustav this morning. She was saying kind of the same deal. I told her, I said, I think that's why some of those later teams on on uh, short round Sunday, I think that's why some of those later teams were just kind of starting to lay up was because they knew if they just went and made a clean run that they were going to get, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's kind of the deal is it's like almost, well, like your draw, like if you're, if it's, they're paying out on eight guys that are up and there's basically, I don't know, do they seed it by your, how fast you were in the semis and the finals both, or is it just random draw for the semis and then uh, fe- most money one goes last random in the finals? For both. Random so, for both? No, random goes both, I think. Yeah. I think. Hmm. That, that doesn't seem so. At, at that format, Coy, talk to us a little bit. You know, with the format being like it is, it makes roping a little bit more strategic throughout. Like, because if it was two and a short on your first year, I remember watching that on TV and it was like, I mean, you'd have been done. Like, you'd have had no chance to make the short round probably at Denver on your first year if it was two and a short. Well, so, yeah, you're exactly. is, there, is there more strategy going into it? Like, hey, I'm going to try to just do the best I can and not mess up and be under the cut because the first two rounds don't pay what the, what the fi- making it to the finals and winning the finals pays, you know? That's exactly right. I mean, you want to go up there and maybe wins a little bit in the first couple of rounds. Obviously, somebody's got to win the first round. Somebody's got to win the second round. But the in the same breath, you just said it. You want to kind of do the best you can do without messing up just so that you can get back to where the big money starts. And so a guy's main strategy is to go up there, get a good start, make two good solid runs. If they win something, they win something. If they don't, they don't. But the main, the main goal is to get back to the semifinals, you know. Yeah. Is that something you and you and Doug talk about much before you rope or do you have you guys I mean you guys have roped a lot throughout the year, so is it something that you guys are kinda of both on the same page without having to talk about it or is it something you guys kinda of discuss? Uh we I mean we just kinda yeah, we might say something like, Yeah, let's just, just go make us a couple of good runs, get back, see where it puts you know, but Doug's pretty good about that stuff too. He he's no dummy, he knows what it takes, he knows what we're supposed to do and so we, we, for the most part, we're usually on the same page on stuff before we even tell each other our plan, you know. Yeah. Well, man, I think that just that comes from like a lot, a lot of practice with the team and having a lot of good chemistry. Uh, you know, what with your guys' team, what makes you guys win so much and then the runs kind of hold up? You know, we talked to Buddy about this earlier. I thought it was really interesting to hear his perspective on why the team's run can work uh, all, all year long. And you guys seem to be one of those teams that you, you can win about every setup, you know. So your guys' run, what do you like so much about it and how you're, you're able to, to, to go from the indoors to the outdoors and, and kind of win consistently? Well, I'm probably not going to break it down as much as Buddy because he likes to break <laughs> things down a lot more than I do. Well, you can but, if you uh, want. I'll, I'll, one way I can kind of dumb it down is I got an awesome healer. That man knows how to he knows how to shut it down, whether it's Salinas or the NFR. But um, I would just say we both have pretty good horses. We both have the same mindset on stuff. Both of us would rather rather win a lot of third and fourth than than firsts. And so if a rodeo is really tough, almost like if we were towards the end at Denver, we probably wouldn't have went went and tried to be four three either. You know, we would have tried to go be four seven, four eight, even maybe short five and, and just see where it put us. Uh we just both have that mindset. We both like to win money. We both like to make money. Um 
because the, at the at the end of the year, your goal is to make the NFR, not just say you won this one rodeo or that one rodeo, you know. And so I'd say that's what probably helps us both is we're usually on the same page about stuff. We're usually both mounted pretty good. We're pretty fortunate to be mounted pretty good and stuff like that. So, Coy, talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, you go to the NFR and you had a pretty good NFR for your first time. How do you take that momentum from – from Vegas and translate it right into a Denver win like like you did. Oh, you know, like we we went to Odessa, but I'm sure you know Dustin and you too, Pace, that a lot of people didn't count Odessa because it didn't add near as much this year. And so, yes, we did go to Odessa, but we didn't count it and stuff. And so, technically, Denver was our first rodeo back after the finals. And I think we just kind of carried the momentum almost in the back of our mind, the momentum that now we are considered one of the best and stuff like that and so it's a little easier to back in the box in high pressure situations and stuff knowing maybe even if you don't think it but subconsciously you know that now you are considered one of the best so you, it, it's not it's not quite as nerve-wracking when you're backing up against the best guys in the world you know is it one of those deals where after you make your first nfr you're not worried in the back of your mind of it, am I good enough to make it there or, you know, will it ever happen? Is it kind of one of those deals where it's like, okay, the monkey's off my back now. Like I know I can do it. So it seems a little easier now and it's never going to be really any easier because roping just gets tougher, but kind of just lingering Absolutely. thought in the back of your mind. Is that, is that kind of how it goes for you? Yeah, I, I would say that's a pretty good way to sum it up. It's just kind of a way of telling yourself that you are good enough and that you are one of the guys now, you know, yeah, man. Um, I got to get to a couple, you know, these real hard-hitting questions. I've you been know. lobbing you softballs, my bad. <clears throat> no more softballs. So, you, you are you 21 years old? 20. 20? Oh, well. Yes, so, sir. allegedly, <laughs> you know, Las Vegas, you went around. That's $26,000. They're gambling everywhere. You try them, allegedly, you try them tables out? Because, obviously, you You didn't know, drink a Coors Light, did you, afterwards? Yeah, what's what's that like? What's I had a friend if if I was to make the NFR and I was to win the sixth go around, <laughs> I probably would have had a beer or two. But I would still probably be a little scared of the card tables just because it's a, in Vegas. It's a lot less trouble to get caught drinking if if you had a friend that was 20 than it is if you get, had a friend that was 20 and got caught gambling. So if I was to make the NFR and if I was to win the sixth go around, I probably would have had a couple beers, but I probably wouldn't have. Uh, gambled much yeah yeah that, that'll be something for this year because uh, i heard them card tables were hot out exactly. there maybe, maybe get rolling some of them dice and just seeing what that's your that that's, might be a new goal for 2022 for you right coy see what kind but of since i'm go. since i'm not since i will be since i will be of age next year then if i win the sixth go round, then i will have some coors lights and then i will maybe hit the card tables up yeah, we'll maybe hit that Casey Jones up, uh, get that uh, that wristband over there at the the after party, and then, you know. Just... Yeah, Casey Jones let me in the Mirage party. I was the only contestant that didn't get to go to the Mirage party, and I put my name down for a saddle and everything else. It's, it was really a bummer. Yeah, man. Talk about, you You, you know what? It's just qualifying too soon. You yeah. just made it too too early is what, what that was to really, <laughs> exactly. really experience a full NFR. Yeah. But but is that a problem? Like, you know, actually being there that, that whole week, it's probably the first time Cowboys get to experience uh, what it, I would say, like kind of that celebrity feel, you know, when things are maybe going good or bad. Like you get people like, 
oh, you're going to do good tonight. You know, how, how's that going to, you get people that you don't even know talking to you about your roping every single day. Is that, is that kind of weird experiencing that? Every day signing autographs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's honestly kind of, it's honestly kind of cool to see all the, all the little kids that come up to you at the trade show when you're signing autographs that look up to you or this or that or whatever. And so I guess I'm just a people person and I guess I'm just nicer than some, but I like that. I like to know that there's little kids that look up to me and so. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, does that affect you? Do you hear guys talking about that effect and I'm like, just people that they don't even know talking to them about their roping or like what's going on. Cause like, I mean, especially if it's like going bad, like if they miss one and like, are, are you going to get them tonight? Or, you know, like those comments like that, it's, it's probably the first time someone really experiences that, especially on that, that level. Right. Hey, speaking of that, uh, I got a little side story that kind of matches the topic though. So after the second night at the NFR, you know, we drew that steer that turned its head and we both got a funky go and we went back to him and Doug had a funky go and he comes around there and he just misses him. And uh, Douglas gets a gets a Facebook message from somebody <laughs> and no idea who it is. And it says, it says, you suck, bro. You need to get your SHIT lined out. You're going to be Douglas poor by the end of the week if you don't figure out how to catch two feet, he said. <laughs> Dude, he, he probably had him on his Swear, fantasy that team. Is, honest India. He probably cost him at least like 10 honest or 15 Indian, bucks that this night. this guy really messages Doug. <laughs> Man. Yeah, honest Indian, this guy messages Doug that exact text. All right, well, we, you know, we've had a few technical difficulties, but but we got you, we got you back, you know, and, and what we were kind of talking about is, you know, that – that perspective of getting people's feedback who really don't, you don't even know them, you know, you're, you're getting, you're getting a, just a whole different environment. It's kind of like being a, I mean, I would say it's closest to being a celebrity. Does that, do you think that affects guys or do you like, do you, is that something you even worry about or how, how does that kind of affect the week? Uh, just wired the way I am. I would have tried not to worry about it, but I probably would have got mad if somebody would have sent me that. But uh, Douglas Poor, he kind of thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Douglas Poor is that that could be an alter ego for for Doug now. I've been telling everybody in order to get rich, you got to have ramen. <laughs> Not, I mean, we're, we're like the modern day speed and rich. Yeah, already claiming it. Already, already claiming it. The the modern day speed, speed we and rich. A, we got a we got a lot of credentials to catch up to before we're ever speed and rich. But just since we have the name Rich in in the team, I don't see why we can't like at least pretend to be sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you guys have got to start. You've got you've got, you've got a got healer it. with a name uh, similar to a team that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the same thing at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, you know, we, just one more question that I had for you right quick is, you know, we've talked about this uh, run on the on the rundown, but now getting through the, your first full year of rodeoing, making that move, which is that was a big move to, to buy that horse and then just to hop on him and go. You know, we, we cover that quite a bit and in the podcast and the rundown. But now looking back at this whole year, how has riding that horse kind of changed the team and just and kind of added to, to the whole thing? Uh, I mean, I don't really know how else to explain it other than just a blessing. You know, I love my Sarl. He's really good in a lot of setups. Uh, I couldn't, I mean, he gives me, he gives me a lot of try and I, I like him a lot, but it just, there's something about me and that blue together. Um, we, it, it's, I, it's just chemistry, I guess you'd say. I don't really know how to explain it, but 
something about it's just crazy, you know. And I think he's that way for everybody. I mean, just between Lovell and I alone at Salinas, we won 30 grand on him. And then to be able to take him from Salinas, where the score is 35 foot, to the Thomas and Mac, where it's, you know, four foot under, and, and him do the, and him do just as good at both places, it's crazy, you know. Do you think it's because he, like, just is so easy to score and, like, he reads the cow so well? Is that, like, do you think that's what kind of makes him so special? Um, you know, like, that's. Yeah, I think it's just because he's so easy and he tries so hard and he's just so level headed, you know, like, when you back him in the box, like, ever, all 10 nights, it was just like I was sitting on a wooden Indian, you know, like, he just, he never. He scored like a soldier. He just he backed him in the box, and it was like the steer could be fighting the shoot. Stuff could be banging around, clanging around. 20,000 people hollering, and it was like nothing, you know? Yeah, you're over there twisting your rope around your head as fast <laughs> as it'll go, and he's just kind of sitting around like an old, kind of old. He old. was babysitting you is what you're telling us. <laughs> exactly. He was keeping me calm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, man. We'll, um... Coy, I got just one last one for you, but uh... – you know, you start out the year with a Denver win. What's next this winter, and then kind of what's your guys's goal? I mean, obviously, you're you're everybody's goal is to make the NFR and win a gold buckle. But um, you know, kind of what's the year looking like after after a win like Denver? Well, I mean, a goal you think about when you lay down at night is to just go ahead and win San Antonio, Houston, the American, Fort Worth, all those too. You know, that's forty percent of all of them. Exactly, but a realistic goal is to, uh, have, you know, win quite a bit throughout the winter to where it's a little easier on us this summer when we get out there. We don't have to crunch so hard to make the finals, you know, have us a good, comfortable amount going into Reno where we can just, you know, do our deal the whole summer and, and get into the finals again and stuff like that. And so I look forward to it. I look forward to being able to get all these building radios and stuff now and, I, I hope that I hope that we'll see you guys in Vegas again in December 2022. So, oh, I know where you can find me in Vegas 2022. We'll, I'll, I'll have one of those blackjack seats open for you. We'll uh, <laughs> perfect we'll, legal. Yeah, we'll double that investment if you know what I'm saying. I'll uh, exactly. I'll be able to buy you a ice cold Coors Light this year legally for you. That, that's right. There you go. Sounds well, good. Well, Coy, we appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, best of luck to you this year, and congrats on your on your good NFR and your Denver win. Um, we uh, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you, guys. It was good visiting with you. All right, we'll talk to you later. See you later, man. Thanks. How would it be to be twenty years old, first NFR? He seems real intense. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, that would be an experience all on its own. I think um, I can't even wrap my mind around. It. I can barely wrap my mind around making it now. You know, and I'm a lot older than twenty, um, so I couldn't imagine being twenty years old, thrown into that spotlight, that much pressure, fans, family. I mean, there's a lot to juggle in Vegas that people don't know about. I think what he's done really well too is he's been around some guys that have done it, yep. and uh, <clears throat> so it's not. Uh, I, I don't think he worries about like what it looks like or what you know his. Uh, he, he focuses on his job and is able to do that because I think that's one of the hardest things as a like a younger guy roping is you get worried about like competing but if you're winning if it's if you're good enough all of those things kind of come into play where him it's like he he got it he went through all of that but he also is 
way way more advanced than uh, a lot like I was at that age and a lot of a lot of younger guys I think it's been kind of it's been kind of cool to see because he has handled it pretty well uh, I would say is yeah. I mean, it's went it's went really good yeah he uh, he darn sure had a, I mean I thought he rode good at the NFR this year you know for especially being that young and first timer I mean the jitters I mean he was talking about being Eminem you know and how yeah. how nervous he was and whatnot but it had to have been just unbelievable experience for him, I'm sure. It's funny too to hear Buddy's perspective on it. And yeah, he's like, "Oh, you know, I don't really worry about the, uh, you know, the money things. Like, I'm just trying to be rich with my family." And right. And he's Coy's like, like, "I like to make a living roping, and uh, I like to win money." Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "Yeah," and it, it kind of it, it's you know philosophies and and how you do it, and then then being able to lock it in and do your job because that's we're all going to be different too, and we're all going to have different perspectives, and I think that's that's the hardest thing is knowing yourself and knowing how to to bring out your best when you need it and and that's really that's a hard week to do it you yeah. know it's because it can go real good or real bad and it, it didn't get started great for them and uh and they were still able to have a, a a nice nfr and you know and and then keep it going this year too yeah and just uh, from talking to coy a little bit after he made it before the finals and then talking to him i've, I've maybe talked to him a couple times since nfr but um he's matured a lot in the last year, you know, and not, not saying he was ever immature or whatever, but, um, just he's, I think that going through that, it, it makes you grow up fast, you know, and it, and it really, it it kind of makes you be a real professional after you get to go there one year and, and experience it. I'm sure there's things he would probably do different next time he goes. And, and, but I think it, it sure enough makes a guy mature quite a bit going there at such a young age, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and then also too, you know, he had the year before that where he he had won a lot and then all of a sudden roped really bad for a while. Yeah. And then he kind of was able to bounce back. So <clears throat> pretty cool. Um well Dustin, uh, you know, before we wrap this thing up, we uh you know, we obviously should come up with a name. So apparently we're either gonna have to uh to to come up with this right now, um, or we're we're gonna have to have some people help us out with it, but well, what if we did this? What if we put it on the X Factor story, our last two names that we come up with, and we can do a vote? Nikki, what do you think? Yeah, she's for the story, I guess. Uh, X Factor roping show. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna like we're, a gonna, poll. we're gonna do a poll, like yeah, you know, like. Kind of like a... Give the people what they want. The presidential election, (laughs) which is different. Uh, Yeah, so I... This one won't be rigged, though. uh, Oh, wait. Did I say that? Allegedly. Oh, my bad. Allegedly. It might be... Maybe need to edit that out. It it might be rigged if we we have an F-bomb in the the name, because it might just be the F-and Roping show. (laughs) A million ways to screw up a podcast. Yeah, yeah. What could go wrong during a team roping podcast show? There it is. There's the name. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for everyone that joined us. You know, this is something obviously, you know, we're looking at doing quite often. It's different from the the traditional podcast that we've done. Uh, you know, we, we're going to try to bring on guests and, and just try to give guys a, a platform to kind of give their opinion and, you know, talk about what what's going on in, in the world of team roping. Yeah, the open, open conversation. That's what we're into. Yep. Thanks again, Dustin. Uh, you know, I guess if I didn't, I felt like I introduced you at the beginning of it, but, uh, you know, Dustin Searcy and, and, and I, uh, you know, obviously had a great time and look to do a lot more of them. Thanks.